when we shot it, somehow I was tense. And I think I, I said, we, let's go again, let's go again. And I think I did 10 times in a row, oh, very wow. fast, right, right on top of each other, 10 times, go, 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 go. And then it, then it was good. And then I was satisfied. From the past week here on the Dagobah Dispatch as we welcome back a very familiar voice to the podcast and we welcome that voice back to play a little game of Star Wars True or False. You can play along as well and we encourage you to do exactly that as we make bold statements about the Star Wars franchise then debate and discuss whether they are actually true or not. Plus, we have another special guest as Andor star Stellan Skarsgård joins us to talk all things Luthen and his tremendous taste in space wigs. Uh, that guy is so good on the show and will be so good on our podcast as well. So stay tuned for that. It's a banger of an episode for you here on the Dago Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, back here at it, playing a little tag team with my co-host Devin Kogan. I was out for a week and then we took last week off. Sorry about that, by the way. Uh, and now Devin is kind of out this week. At least she is out for this portion of the podcast, but she did chat with Stellan Skarsgård, and you will hear that conversation shortly. But joining me right now, she's moved from uh, cast regular to angry voice memo recorder, <laughs> lovely guest star, making her triumphant return to the podcast, Lauren Morgan is gracing us with her presence. Welcome back, Lauren. I know you've all been missing me. I've, I've gotten your teary, teary posts and all sorts of things, but I am back just for, for now. But I, I, I assume I will probably make another guest appearance some other time this year. But well, How does it feel to be joining us as a guest, Lauren? And more importantly, how do you really feel about Yubnub? Uh, I think that Devin's not here because she was afraid I was going to keep yelling at her about Yubnub. Uh, I think she's really probably working and is just skipping this because she doesn't want to face my wrath. Uh, but otherwise, I'm I'm really happy to be back. I missed you guys, and I've been listening to the podcast. And every time you mention me, I will yell whatever you're talking about, like my opinion on whatever you're talking about. And I know uh, podcast listeners should be knowing I have been uh, texting both Devin and Dalton deranged Star Wars opinions for the last few months while I was uh, no longer the co-host of the podcast. So, and I've also been texting Dalton pretty deranged uh, Ewok related merchandise when I come across it. So she certainly has. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'll, I'll cop to it. So, you know, I was out for a week <laughs> and now Devin's out for a week. And so I, uh, I, I booked Lauren Morgan on the show like a mm -hmm. month ago. I said, Lauren, like basically, and I didn't even tell Devin Lauren, I was basically trying to claim you before she had the idea. Like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'll ask Lauren. So I was like, let me get in there before Devin. And I'm not going to say a word. She doesn't even know you're on the podcast. Unless Sammy, <laughs> unless, unless Sammy told her, she has no idea until she's going to get her little episode downloaded when she's on vacation. Little Apple or Spotify notifications going to pop up. She'll be like, what the hey? Lauren Morgan's back? I should have thought of that. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm still I'm a. Should I feel a little? Devin's on vacation this week. Yeah. Should I feel a little hurt that she made time during her vacation for Stellan Skarsgård, but not for me? Maybe, maybe a little bit. But mm. I mean, it is Stellan Skarsgård, so know. I can't you know. With that. Yeah. I mean, he did 
he did bequeath uh, Alexander Skarsgård to the world. So, I mean, not to say that your son isn't lovely. I have met him, and he does look like your carbon copy. But you know, uh, what you're saying is he's no he's no Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> That's no. what you're getting at. That, no, I can no, read between no, the lines, no, no, people. No, no. Yes, no. I can. But yes, if I you can. ever see a photo of Dalton, you're like, oh, I know exactly who your father is because you I look know. exactly like your father. So I feel so bad for that kid. Every time we're together, someone's like, oh my gosh, you're twins. I'm like, poor kid, poor guy. <laughs> this is what this is what you're gonna look like in a few decades. Sorry, dude. My my husband basically looks like uh like his his father's just a white haired was just a white haired version of him so i'm just like oh i know exactly what you're gonna look like in that's your 70s you're in for. that's exactly yeah, pretty right. much pretty much so well look uh you know devin's devin made a bold statement when mm-hmm. she claimed that victory celebration was a better song than ewok uh, <sighs> celebration so what i'm gonna do is mm-hmm. uh in honor of that i'm gonna hit lauren with a few other bold statements. And these aren't even necessarily ones I agree with, but but I've made a bold Star Wars statement. Mm-hmm. And then Laura and I are going to go through and we're going to decide whether we agree or disagree. And again, like I said, you can play along at home. You can decide which side of the coin you fall on for some uh, some Star Wars uh, bold statements here. And then we'll see where we land. How does that sound? I, I think you've just engineered this because you want me to pop off like I did for The Rise of Skywalker, which I know I was invoked last uh, in your last episode about my opinions on The Rise of Skywalker. So so I, I, sa- I told Lauren, like, so I wouldn't completely like, I wanted her to be able to think of some of these. So I sent mm-hmm. her kind of a list in advance, although I said, I, I do have one more for you. And I didn't send that's her the last true. one. <laughs> so that's the one to watch out for. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a, a, a bold statement of Star Wars. Uh, true or false is the name of the game we're going to play here. And I'm going to read the statement, and then we're going to decide if it's true or if it's false. That's how it's going to go. All right, so here we go. Lauren, true or false, when it comes to Weird Al Yankovic Star Wars parody songs, Yoda is better than the saga begins. And before you answer, just so pe- pe- people can play along, we're going we're gonna to play you a, a little cut. We're going to play a clip of each in case you're unfamiliar with Weird Al. Now, we all know Weird Al Yankovic, right, Lauren? Mm-hmm. This is the... The, the parody master himself right here, right? Uh, just had a movie made about him on the like the Roku channel, which I didn't realize was a thing, but apparently it is. Actually, I just watched it on a plane uh, coming back from my international trip. And, uh, you know, he's got your, he's got your like a, like a surgeon. He's got your, uh, your classic. He's got mm-hmm. all these classics, right? So um, he's done some Star Wars numbers, two of them, in fact. And um, it's Yoda and the saga begins. So the bold statement is that Yoda's better. So, before you weigh in, let's play clips of each. Let's start with with Yoda, which is a, a parody of uh, the Kinks' classic rock cut, Lola. Yet now it's Yoda. Let's take a listen. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah, where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda. S-O-D-A Soda I saw the little rent sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y-O-D-A Yoda Yo 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 Yoda Alright, there it is. Some classic mm-hmm. 1980s weird owl doing Yoda paying tribute to Lola by the Kinks. So, he followed that up. Listen, the country was, the world, not the country, the world was in a tizzy when mm-hmm. The Phantom Menace came out. Star Wars is back, 1999. 
And so Weird Al had to weigh in, and he uh, he did a, a version, a parody of American Pie by Don McLean. I know you know that song, Lauren. And he did yes. his version of it, and he called it The Saga Begins. Let's take a listen. Oh, my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye. Saying, soon I'm going to be a Jedi. Soon I'm going to be a Jedi. All right, so you get you get the, the, the basic gist there of each, each sort of song. So, Lauren, true or mm-hmm. false, Yoda is a better uh, Weird Al parody than the saga begins. I'm going to go with true because uh, I really can't stand the song American Pie. So really? I just, yeah, it just Why? drives me nuts. I Why? don't know. Why? It's, it's always, a classic uh, piece of voice of Americana. It's a classic song, but it's just one of those ones that I've just never liked. So uh, so I'm going to go, and I prefer the kinks in general, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Yoda over The Saga Begins. Also, I would like to say that... Um, you Weird Al was not the first concert I went to, which was Michael Jackson's Victory Tour, but he was kind of the second concert I went to because I went to a, a double bill of him and the monkeys in like 1985, <laughs> 1986. So I have seen the man perform live and I okay. do like Weird Al, but so, I'm going to go with Yoda. Well, we've talked about this. I was at the Victory uh, Tour as well in nosebleed mm-hmm. seats, couldn't even see them. So who is the headliner in a monkey's Weird Al show in like the mid mid eighties, the monkeys were, and Weird Al was mm. opening for them. And the funny thing was, my husband also in- attended this tour. Uh, I think probably in in the Scranton area, but it, it he Weird Al was his first concert, and it was like my second, third. But yeah, he opened for them, and then it was the monkeys, Michael minus Mike Nesmith, who is my favorite monkey. So I was a little, still a little disappointed. Hold but. on, Nesmith? What? I was gonna say Peter yeah. Tork. I was gonna guess Peter Tork or something, wasn't there? No. I am I'm purely purely the Nez. My sister was oh, a big Davy right. partisan, so we've had fights about this for, you know, I, I, I know you guys talked about our Thanksgiving fights, but the uh Davy Mike fight has been going on since about nineteen eighty five. Right. Nesmith Nesmith basically was on a precursor of MTV as like a businessman or something. Yeah, he, he like basically yeah, he's a very interesting dude. He just passed away last year, but yeah. you know. Wow. Uh I listen. I agree. I agree with you, actually, mm-hmm. uh, that Yoda is the better song. And I agree that um, I got no beef with Don McLean. I don't know what your problem is with Don McLean, <laughs> but uh, I agree the Kinks are a better band and more interesting to me. And I, I Lola is a, a cl- great classic song. It's interesting because I think that the saga begins has kind of overtaken Yoda as his mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, parody song du jour simply because of there's no music video for Yoda. Yeah, it was just a cut on his album, but the saga begins. There's a really elaborate video, and Emperor Palpatine's playing the keys out in the desert with like the robe over half his face, <laughs> and Weird Al's in like the cantina. I don't see B. Arthur there, but Weird Al's there, and he's playing along, and everyone's dancing, and it's it's a fun video, and it's got like a bazillion views on YouTube. So I feel like that's now the more known Weird Al parody song, even though Yoda's the classic. Yeah, maybe he should just make a video for Yoda now and get those, you know, YouTube views going. But I mean, I will say I I enjoy his the his lyrical uh, adaptation of American Pie. I just really just don't like American Pie. Wow. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. What so, a hater. I know. Um, 
Nah. Get her some haterade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very good. We agree on the first one. All right. Okay. Yoda. All right. Let's see if the, the agreement continues. At some point, it's all <laughs> going to break down and go to hell. All right. Here we go. True or false? Padme has better outfits and hair than Princess Leia. Okay. So I have multi multiple thoughts here before I say either true or false. Okay. I will say she has a more more elaborate costumes. Definitely. But the problem I find is that I find that her costumes, Padme's costumes are kind of wearing her instead of her wearing them. And so while her costumes are, I think, maybe more interesting from a costume design perspective, I feel like they kind of overwhelm her. And I know that in the Padme novels, like that trilogy written by E.K. Johnson, there's a whole reason behind the, the, the big elaborate costumes. And there were part like weapons, they were hiding weapons and all sorts of stuff like that. But I still just constantly always felt like these costumes were wearing Natalie Portman and she was not wearing... Uh, she was not wearing them. Whereas I never really felt that with Carrie Fisher, even like, you know, even though she was, you know, even when she's wearing the um, slave bikini or, no, we'll or talk about that. Yeah. 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 So I might, I think I will probably have to say false because I think, I think just like Leia's are more iconic. And I think also just, you know, they didn't overwhelm her the way that they did for Natalie Portman. And you does that extend to the hair? Because you haven't really talked about the hair. The hair. Okay, so the braiding, uh, and I'm going to go back to the novels again. Please. All, yes, all the braiding, like all of Leia's like braiding is specifically like they've they've written about it like being like these are Alderaan braids and they are, there's like a specific tradition behind them and that kind of stuff, which is like retconning. But I do like that. And again, with the hair pieces on Padme, I do feel like they are wearing her rather than her wearing it. And it's also, I think it's just because, I mean, they were both teenagers when they were doing this, but it's just, you know, I, I just, I just feel like sometimes her uh, Padme's head pieces were a little overwhelming, as, even though they were finely constructed. So it looks so heavy. Like, yeah, it just, like they everything do. It just so heavy. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like, you know, you know, it, it just feels like a, it, they were just thinking more about like costumes than they were about like character work in, in some respects. Like, you know, they just were trying to do as, as much as they could, like, you know, uh, and I mean, her costumes are iconic, but I just, I feel like they're just, they, they're just too much. All right. So you say false, you say Leia's yeah, got false. the better outfits in there. I'm a little torn on this one, honestly, mm -hmm. because I feel like Padme more consistently has very good hair and outfits. By the way, I should be clear. I know nothing about fashion, okay? Like, <laughs> I've got, a, like, the weird thing is, like, I've got opinions about, I guess this makes me such a man. I've got, mm -hmm. like, very strong opinions, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know anything about, like, what's in, out, this, that. Like, I don't even know what things are called, but I do have opinions on what I think works and what doesn't work. And I think generally, she's got a pretty impressive array of hairstyles and outfits, and it's consistent throughout the entire prequel trilogy. And in fact, the, the I would say the one thing that does work in that Padme-Anakin romance, which is problematic on a lot of levels, is I think her outfits and hair on Naboo are just, are just uh, slamming. I think she looks great. I think the, the curls and the hair, it's all working. It's all working I, for Padme. I'm not saying she looks bad. I'm just saying sometimes her costumes are a little much. And there was that little s and thing that she was wearing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> I remember at the time going, 
God, George, come on. It looked tight. Like, you it, know. Looked, it looked very tight. I'm not sure how she breathed <laughs> in that thing. Uh, but, 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 but that said, because mm-hmm. like, you know, because she's more consistent because I don't like Leia, unfortunately, uh, in Empire, you know, they got her in Hoth, right? Like how, yeah. how much can you really accessorize when you're freezing in, in, in Hoth? And, and her hair's pretty good, but, but even in Beskin, it's, it's not, it's, it's not it's classic. It's very practical. You know, she's a leader and I, I you know, I like her Hoth costume because I'm just like, she's practical. She's a leader. She's wearing sensible footwear, which you don't always get in these kind of movies. Like a lot of times they're wearing stilettos or something stupid. So I kind of like, you know, the practicality of but her. But it can't compete with Naboo. It can't no, compete. No, I mean, in terms of a, you know, costume design, but sometimes I like my costume design to, to be sort of more subtle, you know, yeah, in no. a respect, you know. But the thing, the thing is, even though I give Padme the, the nod on that, it, you can't, how are you going to top Leia with the white robes and earmuff hair, right? Yeah, the that's earmuff true. hair is the most classic look uh, imaginable. And then, I mean, I don't want to sound like a horn dog, but the slave girl, <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to, but slave girl, the slave girl Leia outfit is iconic as well. I mean, I, go, mean, yes, I was I just at, you know, I was at Star Wars Celebration in. August. I can't tell you how many slave girl Leia outfits I saw on both men and women. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even not multiple. Like it was, everyone was like, loves it. Everyone loves mm-hmm. that outfit. So I just think just for those two looks alone that I got to give it to Leia. And maybe this is just, you know, me, you know, original trilogies always better. Like, you know, I, I get that, but I just think you can't top those two things. But I think Padme is a lot closer for me uh, matching it than she is for you. Yeah, but I think it was funny because I think there's a famous quote that Carrie Fisher said about seeing the seeing all of uh, Natalie Portman's looks in the uh, prequel trilogy and being mad because she's like she's like she had a new outfit every yeah. every scene. I had to just wear the same stupid white robe the whole time. So. It's it's like a host at an awards ceremony now where they yeah. come out every five minutes or or, or just like a, a pop star they come out every song in a new outfit. It's like what what happens? Yeah, you're just like. Really, do you have to change that much? But, you know, um, where would we be without these things? So. All right. Well, don't look now, mm-hmm. uh, everyone. But Lauren Morgan and I have agreed on two straight. Uh, I know. Oh, my goodness. It's pretty amazing. All right. Let's go to number three. Okay. True or false? Oh, my God. We're going to pit Lauren's uh, favorite children against each other now. <laughs> when you take the totality of mm-hmm. each series into consideration, Star Wars Rebels is a better show than the Clone Wars, true or false? I will say true because I think from beginning to end, Star Wars Rebels is a lot tighter, and it's just like like the first season's good, the second season's good, the third, like all of it straight through. There's not like I don't think there's a dip, and I think with the Clone Wars, it's a lot rockier, and I think the first season of the Clone Wars is very difficult to get through. Like it took me, it took me like a concerted effort to get through the first season of the Clone Wars because I was just like, oh, I don't know about this. And but then it's like and then it starts to pick up in the second season. Like I think right around the Mandalore plot was like when I was kind of locked into it. That being said, I think the Clone Wars has some extremely interesting episodes and has introduced like really great like the Mortis trilogy. And honestly, I think the last four episodes of the Clone Wars, like when they came back for that final season, I think you could put that up against like Empire Strikes Back for how good the, that last like that last chunk is where um, Ahsoka's uh, escaping Order 66 and the, the whole thing with Maul and all that kind of stuff. But for my money, like the best, like I, I think Star Wars Rebels is possibly like my favorite 
thing in Star Wars, just from start to finish. I just think it's a really cohesive, well-told story. So did we agree again? So th- this is why it's so interesting. And this is why I asked mm-hmm. the question. You kind of illustrated why it's such an interesting question to ask. Because I agree with you on uh, what you said about Clone Wars. Now, I I think I like season one of Clone Wars more than most people. But I understand that it's mm-hmm. that it it's the weakest season. Like, I understand that, like, it had a better through line moving forward. It got deeper. But, like, I still like season one. Like, give me a Kit Fisto episode. Like, I'm in. Like, you know what I mean? That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I agree with you. And I agree with that, that the highs of Clone Wars are pretty damn high. But, you know, it's, what was it, seven seasons, I think? Yeah. Um, and Rebels, I think, as a four-season series is stronger start to finish in yeah. totality. So, but it's an interesting thing. And like, then it's kind of like, okay, let's say someone wants to check out one of the shows. What do you tell them to check out? Right? Like you say, go for Clone Wars. Cause you kind of really should watch Clone Wars before Rebels, you know, yeah, Ahsoka and other characters. Yeah, are I don't in. think you would get Ahsoka at all. Or that even that, that the season two, uh, like the season two fight between, Ahsoka and Darth, I don't think would have any of the punch that it does unless you've seen Clone Wars beforehand. Agreed. But if you tell someone to watch Clone Wars before and you're basically telling them to watch 11 seasons of an animated series. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's kind of interesting. But no, I agree with you again. I I, mm-hmm. I think I agree that the end of Clone Wars was fantastic. But I just think as a, a, a complete series, I think Rebels is stronger from start to finish. Uh, so I say true as well. Lauren, yeah. look at us in lockstep. Oh, man. man, I walk, I, I, I leave for a couple of months and we've gotten, you know, much more cohesive in our <laughs> I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't know what you got till it's gone. I think the hair metal band <laughs> Cinderella once opined uh, with a parenthetical in their song title as well. All right, let's sort of stick with this sort of theme a little bit for our next mm-hmm. one. True or false? And I think this might, we might disagree here. Okay. Tr- true or false? Darth Maul was such a good character on the Clone Wars and Rebels that it was worth bringing him back to life, even though the fact that he was brought back to life after literally being chopped in half makes no sense whatsoever. True or false, it was worth it, Lauren. True. Even though this is, I think, the only Star Wars character that I'm like, okay, I'll accept his his resurrection. Everybody else I would like to stay dead. Um but for him specifically, I remember watching the Phantom Menace and watching the Duel of the Fates fight. And when he got chopped in half and I was like, well, that's dumb. He's cool. Like, I just remember being mad at like when that happened. But the thing was, uh, for me, I think I had found out Maul uh, was alive. Um, I hadn't, you know, I just kind of had heard through the grapevine that Maul was back before I had kind of watched Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Um, Cause I kind of came to both of them late. So I was like, he got cut in half. How did that happen? But I kind of feel like once I finally watched Clone Wars, I was like, Oh, that's really screwed up and kind of s- silly. But I was like, but I, I like Sam Witwer's performance. And I thought he brought a lot to uh, a lot to the, uh, to the storyline. So I will allow it. So I will say true. And I will say false. We disagree okay. <laughs> finally. And listen, there's no doubt that the stuff, the stuff with the character is great um, mm-hmm. there. But you know how I feel about this. And and it's funny when you talk about your reaction to him dying on in the Phantom Menace. And I had the opposite reaction because I thought he was super cool just like you. I thought he was amazing. We got this incredible villain. And I thought it was really 
I don't know if gutsy is the right word, but of George Lucas to, to kill him off, mm-hmm. right? You had this awesome villain. He's like, like he's leaping and flipping all over the place, giving us the best lightsaber battle we've ever seen. Ray Park, who is obviously, you know, doing the lightsaber training as well and stuff. And then they just killed him off. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And then you see him like literally sliced in half and the two body parts floating down there. Like <laughs> it was so awesome. But you know how I feel about this. And this is not just in Star Wars. It's in Marvel. It's in everything yeah. these days where no one who dies stays dead. You know, but look at Boba Fett. Look yeah. at Cobb Vanth, uh, who who I, I'm upset that they brought back. And we love him, right? We love that character. We love Timothy Alpha. That, but now he's that not was dead. just a flesh wound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> like, you know. Cad Bane. Cad Bane doesn't leave just flesh wounds, all right? I and, mean, he's going up against Space Raylan Givens. Like, that's a fair fight. Like, to, Well, you he know, lost. Space Raylan Givens lost big time. <laughs> and, you know, they brought Palpatine back. I'm not going to get Lauren started on I, that. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah. I just, I, I when characters die, they should stay dead. And the problem is when you bring Darth Maul back and then he's really cool. And it's like, oh, see, it was great that we did yeah, that. You'll we'll just keep doing it. You'll just keep doing it. It's yeah. why I keep saying tech's not dead, Lauren. <laughs> Even with that show shutting down, he's probably not dead. It may be 10 years from now in another series, tech's going to show up. I don't know. All I know is they don't kill anyone. Uh, or they bring him back as like a, you know, they brought back Han Solo. They killed Han Solo. They brought Han Solo back. Yeah, it was like a, a vision. You know, it wasn't actually the character. But you know that, what I'm saying. That, yeah, but they that- brought him back. They brought him back. I think that was mostly because they did not have, they could not bring, like, you know, well, they did bring Carrie Fisher back, which they shouldn't have done anyway. But yeah, I mean, I will, ex- I will accept that uh, Maul set a bad precedent and they should probably, like, I, I really enjo- enjoy his character arc. Um, but I will say, um, I, I want everybody else to stay dead. So I will say, I think it did establish a bad precedent. Yeah. So. so what you're saying is I'm right. No, well, I mean, kind of said it. I mean, kind of. Yeah, that's where I, I guess heard it. Maybe I did. Okay. Right. Maybe I did. Well, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I shouldn't push it. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, true or false? If you could see one Jedi from the High Republic novels make it into live action TV show or movie, it would be the Wookiee Buryaga. I mean, I like Wookiee. I like Wookiee Jedi's. They're fun. I was glad to see Gunji back on the uh, Bad Batch. But I don't know. There's, I mean, there's been some cool, there's been some uh, cool High Republic figures. I can't quite think about like, I mean, there's the, um, hmm. I mean. If you're going to say false, you got to give me a name. If, you, I know, if it's not I'm trying, Yaga, to, I'm trying to think of like who I would pick up. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, of uh, I could I'll just. I'll yes. tell you what. I'll give you a second to think about it because I'll, I'll tell you my answer. My answer is Okay, true. you go. If, if, you if go there's a, if, yeah, if there's a – listen, if there's a, a, a Wookiee Jedi – and I know we're going to see a different Wookiee Jedi mm-hmm. uh, coming up on a different show. But if there's a if there's a Wookiee Jedi, you go with it. And Buri, what's Buryaga is so interesting in the books is that he's super empathetic, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, 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 he feels all this empathy and he's really uh, affected – when like something happens to another Jedi or someone, they all kind of are, you see like Yoda kind of stumble back when like Jedi's, but like Buryaga really feels it. So it's a different shade of a Jedi has different force powers maybe than some of the other ones. So I think those two factors alone, it would make it Buryaga for me. I, I also like uh, Elzer man. Yeah. I was, that's what the, was the one I was just thinking yeah. about because I was like, I think you're farther along. I didn't, I haven't finished all the High Republic books because I, you know, I was kind of doing them and then I kind of got 
off and started doing reading some other stuff. Uh, and once I was not doing a Star Wars podcast, <laughs> I kind of stopped for a while. But I do like Elzar Men and I do like Avar. Uh, is that how you say it? Avar Chris. Chris. Yeah, yeah Avar Chris. I kind of thought their relationship was pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, but what's cool about Elzar Man is like his whole thing is he uses, again, he uses the force in kind of an interesting way. Yeah. He, he never likes to use it the same way twice. Uh, he'll kind of like in, get close to the dark side a little bit in certain ways and do other things in, t- in terms of the way he uses the force. It's just kind of different. You know, yeah. it's interesting. And that's what I did like about a lot of the High Republic books is where they were talking about the different ways people were using the force and like how the force appeared to them and and how it was kind of different for everyone. And I thought that was a really interesting aspect of the whole High Republic thing was we got to know so many Jedis. Uh, so, yeah. But I mean, Baryaga is pretty cool. So honestly, maybe I'd have to go with True because okay. I mean, a Wookiee Jedi is cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go True on that. The one mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see was Gela, who's in the. Um, <laughs> I was gonna. You know, I, no, I was I just thinking. I was like, oh, I should say Gela to get annoyed. Listen, I thought I Catac- did like Gela, but you know, okay. Cataclysm was better. Uh, the last book. Oh, did you finally out, but, finish it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was a good book. But like, you know, before that, like, she's just too smitten with Axel Greylark. And I, you know, I, I don't know. We know we know you don't like romance in your in No, your stories, I don't want so. it. I don't want any part of it. Uh, yeah. All right. Last okay. one for Lauren. Here we go, Lauren. Mm-hmm. True or false? Bearing the lightsabers on Tatooine at the end of The Rise of Skywalker <laughs> was the perfect place to put them. False. 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 False, 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 false. Hard false, disagree. False, false. Hard disagree. You know, false. the funny thing, Lauren, when I came out of seeing that movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, what'd you think? What'd you think? I'm like, well, I really liked the way they wrapped it up. I thought that was a great place. I put the, to bury the lightsabers and the ghosts of, of, uh, of uh, you know, Luke and Leia showing up there. I was like, it's a nice, uh, you know, uh, punctuation mark to the nine the nine films. You uh, had, a, had a different reaction. Both of those, uh, every single Skywalker we met and a Skywalker via the Organa family hated Tatooine. And I still think it was dumb to put their lightsabers on Tatooine. I mean, okay, I understand thematically maybe it worked for people, but no, 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 no. Not not for you. No, not not for for those two characters, you know, and also poor Anakin's lightsaber being stuck in the sand. Like, I'm, I'm surprised we didn't hear a Force ghost howl from him having his lightsaber stuck in the sand. <laughs> do you think like now they, they announced the new Ray movie, do you think Ray at any point will end up on Tatooine? I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I hope that, they, you've had enough. I hope they open on a lush, like her Jedi Academy is on a lush planet, like full of greenery and water and all sorts of things, because that really bothered me too. We've already gotten into this. You can just go back and listen to my unhinged rantings about the rise of Skywalker. But yeah, I mean, this is why I I think uh, I am glad that we are getting another Ray movie because I was very dissatisfied (laughs) with where they left Ray in the rise of Skywalker. So I'm glad we're going to get to see more Ray's story, but I still think putting the lightsabers in sand was dumb. So you know, I'm a big Ray guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Very excited for the new movie. Uh, I mean, I just hope she... Uh, can someone go back to Scarif? That planet's awesome. Yeah. That would also, like, wouldn't it be somewhat... I mean, it did get a Death Star hit. So I don't know how well this, you know... Prequels. Listen, we got I, other prequel movies yeah. happening there like a long time ago. 
Uh, so you know, get me. Some I don't know. Scarab. I don't know if the uh, the Death Star hit was like that. Was just like you know, let's just, let's just give it like you know twenty percent here. Let's just yeah, just wipe right. that base out. A light dusting. Not, yeah, yeah, a light dusting. We're not going to hit it with like a hundred percent. We're not going to turn the dial up like they they did on uh, poor Doctor Pershing in in the Mandalorian. But you know, maybe it was just a light dusting, and Scarif is you know oh now a, a beach resort of some kind. So. Well, listen, we had six of those and we agreed on four of them. That's pretty okay. good. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah. Pretty good. You know. Uh, we got to get to Stellan Skarsgård in a second. Is there anything you want to say before we get to uh, Stellan Skarsgård about just being back here, Lauren? I, I mean, I have missed talking about Star Wars. I feel like I should download all of, uh, you know, I should say all of my Star Wars opinions that I've kept for the last two uh, months. Um, Visions, I really enjoyed Screechers Reach. I know we talked about this over text messages. Uh, but yeah, I really did enjoy uh, Visions a lot and uh, kind of after hearing about everything that uh, happened uh, on Lost, I'm kind of glad now that Damon Lindelof is not doing Oof. the Ray movie. Yeah, Oof. so <laughs> just like, you know, Oof. various things. Oof. Yeah. Well, listen, Lauren, you know, mm-hmm. we're, you, we are, we, our, vo- our voice memo box is always open. Anytime <laughs> you want to fire us off a voice memo, it will make it onto the show. I guarantee you that. I also know that people love hearing them. Yes. So, you know, I mean, I, I'll try to keep them slightly less unhinged, though. I think you actually like when I make unhinged voice memos. No, me? Yeah, no, 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 not way. at all. Not at all. No, 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 but, you know, about. I am very excited to uh, hear, uh, you know, I saw that Ahsoka finally got a debut date. So I will probably be sending you uh, unhinged voice memos around that time. So cannot wait. August yes. 23rd. Mm-hmm. Everyone get ready for Ahsoka. I know I am. Cannot wait. All right. Uh, Devin was unable to join us to argue with Lauren this week, but she did manage to track down the elusive Stellan Skarsgård and had an awesome discussion about all things Luthen and Andor. And that discussion is coming up right after this quick break. Thank you so much, Stellan, for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I'm so excited to talk to you about Andor. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess I wanted to start by taking me back to the beginning. How was this character pitched to you? And what was it that made you really want to be a part of this show? Well, it was uh, Tony Gilroy who pitched it to me. And, and it was very exciting when he was going to do Star Wars. And he himself was a reason for me to take it. But uh, he pitched it as he was going to make a story that is more real than the others. And... Uh, uh, I know, I know him, and his his writing is is very, very. Every scene has a an urgency to it, and every scene has a a, a great tension to it. And uh, and that uh, I, I got to see the first four episodes, so it was uh, not not a big question. I mean, I said yes. Absolutely, and yeah, Luthen is this really fascinating character. I mean, he's so. He's so driven and he's so committed to the the rebel cause, you know, at the at the expense of everything else in his life. What was it about him that that you found the most interesting? Well, the interesting is, of course, as an actor, it's interesting to to play this guy who lives a double life and to make two different characters out of one. Uh, that was interesting for me as an actor, but he he's interesting as well because he is the he's he is he is extreme. He's all he's like. Che Guevara, or he's like uh, uh, the Rotarme fraction in in Germany, or or any terrorist, really. But also as a revolutionary, he's like uh, uh, George Washington. 
so so he's yeah, he's got all those ingredients that uh, makes him uh, very exciting and the, and the conflict between between doing the right thing and also be able to to kill for the right thing. Yeah, you talked about how he lives this kind of double life and and he's kind of a shapeshifter. You know, we see him, you know, he puts on the wig and he can be the the shopkeeper from from Coruscant. What interested you about like the way he he literally transforms? <laughs> it was very funny. I mean, I I I it's it's a great great thing for an actor to to be able to do to play two characters at the same time. But I also love wigs. <laughs> I think it's fantastic to put a wig on and, and be someone else. Yeah, that's so fun. One of my favorite moments in the season one is the speech that Luthen gives about kind of why he does what he does and, and that line about burning his life to make a sunrise he'll never see. Tell me a little bit about what you remember from, from filming that scene. Well, I mean, I, I, of course I knew it. I knew I had a speech that was very well written and that was probably one of the best scenes in the, in the, in the season. Uh, and I, I worked on it. Um, and I, when we shot it, somehow I was tense. And I think I, I said, we, let's go again, let's go again. And I think I did 10 times in a row, oh, very wow. fast, right, right on top of each other, 10 times, go, 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 go. And then it, then it was good. And then I was satisfied. And the director was satisfied. That's, that's going to be so intense because it, it is like a really intense moment. Yeah, it was that's, very intense. That's so good. And I know the one thing I've talked to Tony Gilroy and, and some of the cast, and they've talked about a lot about the production design on the show and how big the sets are and how it's a lot of like practical sets. What was it like for you to walk around, you know, kind of some on set and, and kind of be in the Star Wars universe like that? Well, I, I was very happy to to be in that kind of Star Wars universe and not be in the, in the like in many of the films where, where you're just in, in a world of green screens, because it affects you physically uh, that you have the set. You can't you can't uh, deny that. I mean, it was the same thing with uh, with the sets on Dune. They are physically there. There's, they're enormous sets, and you feel it in your body, and you 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 move differently. You you behave differently. So for an actor, it's a great help. But it, of course, it was exciting with this. Uh, we had the entire Ferrix built up as a city. You know, it's it's very, very exciting. That was there a day on set where you were kind of walking around and you were like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in Star Wars." No, but I mean, uh, I was I was very happy that I had my own uh, my own spaceship. Uh, that's a sort of a, that I, I've lacked that in my career. Uh, so far. Yeah, I mean, t- tell me, what's that like to be, to get to, like, pilot a spaceship and, and be, like, what's it like to be behind the <laughs> controls? Yeah, you're, you're, like, 10 years old when you, when you sit down behind the controls that you started, and you, you, you become serious, and you, you turn the, the, the wheel and the, push the buttons and stuff. It's, 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 you become very silly, but it's very funny. Oh, that's got to be so much fun. You're right. It's like when you're like 10 years old and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm piloting a spaceship. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's so fun. And tell me a little bit about um, working with Diego Luna on this, because I love some of the scenes um, between the two of you. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, he's, he's also a reason for me to take it. 
to take the job. We met several years ago. We were supposed to do a film together about football, and uh, uh, but it, it didn't happen, not with us. So it sort of broke down. So, and I've been waiting for him to uh, for, for him to be be doing a film with me again. Uh, I, I love the fellow. He, he's he's a, he's a, a true actor and he's a true mensch. That's going to be so fun. And I also love the scenes between you and Genevieve O'Reilly, who plays Mon Mothma, um, where she like comes to to Luthen's shop. Um, what do you remember about filming those scenes with her? The first thing I realized, because I, I, I'm playing the, the Coruscant character there, which is much more uh, flamboyant. Um, uh, but uh, but when I saw her and, and she, the first scene she entered, she came with this, and this great uh, limousine she has flying in, and and out she came, and she was she was much more sexy and beautiful, and she she took over the space much more than I realized that she had ever done in the in the films. And then, of course, she has a great humor. So, so we had a lot of fun doing this scene. You know, season two is kind of in the works. Um, how's that been going? Well, that's going great. Uh, yeah, we'll see now. When, I mean, uh, Tony Gilroy has gone on strike uh, as 1st of May. And uh, he, he, he finished the, the script right on the day. And then he shut off the phone and disappeared and into a picket line somewhere. So we'll see. He's, 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 he claims that the, the film is director-proof and, and actor-proof, which means that it, it can't be destroyed. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see if it works. Well, I can't wait to, to see what you guys have up your sleeve. And I can't wait to see um, kind of where the rest of the story goes. Thank you very much. It was very nice talking to you. Thanks so much to Sullen Skarsgård for joining us. And thank you to our former co-host and current friend of the pod, Lauren Morgan, for hanging out with us as well. Please do us a super solid and follow and rate and review the podcast. And also please tell your friends about it because your friends are our friends. At least we would like them to be. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. And don't forget about Lauren Morgan, world's number one Rise of Skywalker fan who can be reached <laughs> at Morglore. Thanks for hanging out with us, Lauren. And thanks everyone for hanging out with us as well. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.